I just want to read six words and then pause. Matthew seven twenty four. Jesus said, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine. Which words? To which words is Jesus referring? He says in Matthew 7, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine. This is why you should bring your Bibles, because then you can read not only the verse that's shown to check that I've not made a mistake, but you can read around it as well. Jesus said, therefore, in other words, in the light of, da-da-da-da-da-da, everyone who hears these words of mine. Let me give you a clue. It's a sermon. A sermon on the mount. I heard it whispered, well done. So Jesus gave this sermon on the mount without any microphone. And then he says, everyone who hears these words. And then shortly after that, he says just one more parable. And then he finishes his sermon. The crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. Okay, so that's just the context. The Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, therefore everyone who hears these words, the words of the sermon. So in order to apply this sermon, in order to contextualize the sermon, we need to read the Sermon on the Mount. So that's something maybe for this afternoon. But this is what Jesus said. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But, verse 26, everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. So we don't know, but what kind of house? So not referring to the outcome of the house, a successful house and an unsuccessful house. What kind of house might these houses have been? And again, there's a clue. A beach house. Yeah, that's where we find rock and sand, isn't it? We find rock and sand at Coombe Martin Beach or one of the warm, currently warm beaches in the southern hemisphere that you might be thinking of. That's where we find rock and sand. <coughs> Let me ask another question that we don't know the answer to, but just imagine what happened next. So there's one house that's standing and there's another house that has just fallen with a great crash. What do you think happened next? What might have happened next? A rebuilding? 
Okay, good. I like both of those. So the, to, what the <coughs> either someone's homeless or there has to be a shared house. Now, some of you live in a shared house. And I guess all of us have done that at some point in our lives, even if it was with siblings. And sometimes we think, I've had enough of sharing. I want my own bathroom. I want my own kitchen. But usually, if I think of the different houses in which I've lived and the different people with whom I've lived, I never live alone in a house. I don't think I've ever lived alone in a house. Maybe in a room at college, in a hall of residence, maybe in a room in a shared house. But I've never lived alone in a house. So let me ask you this question. If you're the builder of the house on the rock, would you share your house with the builder of the house on the sand? And then, let me ask this question. Would you share your house if your house was full? Or would you share your house if you've promised that room to somebody else? Would you still share your house? Now, those are the questions that we might struggle to answer, but don't worry. Because if you're that person, then you're wise. So you know how to answer those questions. You're wise according to Jesus. You're a wise person. I'm going to mention another parable a bit later. And I'm going to mention two more parables. And maybe if you were to think of two parables that fit with this parable, just have a think, which two would you choose? And it's probably a hard question, but to, to tell you the lines along which I was thinking. One is the wisdom line. And the other is more of a physical link in the story of the parable. Which other parable did Jesus tell where there were wise and foolish? And which other parable is there where success or failure is determined by that which is unseen? It could have been, but I'm going to go with that one. So the talents, we did see what the people do. We could have seen what the person with two talents did. And we could have seen what the person with five talents did. But the ground aspect is right. Because you can't see what's under the ground. And the parable of the sower, we can't see what's happening to those seeds. In the same way that we can't see the foundations of this building. But they were obviously strong enough to withstand the flood in January. Whoever built this building, built this building well enough that it was able to withstand that flood. Now, was it a flood of this magnitude? Perhaps not. Perhaps not. But whoever built this building has built it well. We don't know what happened next. Some things can be shared and some things can't be shared. So the parable of the ten virgins, if you had oil as a virgin waiting for the bridegroom, would you have shared your oil? None of them did. 
None of the five who had sufficient oil shared their oil. Again, Jesus is saying, wise, foolish. Wise builder, house on the rock. Foolish builder, house on the sand. Wise virgin, oil, sufficient. Foolish virgin, insufficient. But by interpretation at least, the wise virgins were wise even in not sharing. Some things can be shared and some things cannot. I can share my testimony with you. Jackie shared her testimony with us. But it's her testimony. So I can't give a testimony like that unless I'm tithing. Some things can't be shared. Thanksgiving, also, we're going to have a Thanksgiving service next Sunday. And there's no announcements this morning other than that one. So let me do what a couple of the small groups did this week. Just take a minute, even if you did it on Wednesday, even if you're not going to be here next Sunday, take a minute and think if there's one thing for which I can thank God in 2016, brackets, if you did it on Wednesday, then this is perhaps number two or three. I don't know how far you got. If there's one thing for which I'm going to thank God for 2016, what is that thing or person or circumstance. And when you've thought of it, then write it down. I said this on Wednesday. I remember as a teenager being told, never trust your memory when biros are so cheap. That was before you could swipe or type a text. And we'll have opportunity next Sunday, because we're not going to meet here in two weeks' time. We're going to have a joint service on Christmas Day in Weybridge. So next Sunday, we're going to give thanks. We're going to have communion together. We're going to have a meal together. Details will be announced. But it will be a Thanksgiving service. Thank God. There's all kinds of things. (laughs) That Carlos and Elmarie came. Thank God that Yakuin safely got back to a shofar congregation in the southern hemisphere. Thank God that the fire brigade were on call just down the road when we had the flood. Thank God that Jackie accepted Charlotte's invitation to church just because she wanted to be a good colleague. Or whatever it, that was the reason that she gave. There's all kinds of things for which we can thank God. Thank God that we're still standing. I don't know how far you've had to live away from home, wherever home is. Where's our home? In heaven. So it's as if some of us get married early. 20 how old? 30 how old? 21. I was 21 when I married Sally, who was 20. Dave was 24. Barry was 24. Marcel was 27. Dong, if you, you're currently 30, and Charlotte's currently 29. Hanku? <laughs> 30. Those of us who... Even I, and I still, what am I, middle-aged? I might feel middle-aged. I don't know. 
I've been married longer than I was single. And heaven's our home because this is our premarital home. So we together and the boys had a bit of a mind shift to make this last week because I told them that even though they're male and even though they'll marry a female, when they get to heaven, they're going to be married with Jesus. And Moses had some quite (coughs) graphic questions. about that. Heaven's our home because it's as if this is just the first two decades, three decades. Some people might marry a bit later. But it's the first part before we get to the longer part. Now, not everybody marries. Not everybody marries. And Paul's quite clear about that. But the majority of people do. That's why heaven's our home. How long have you been away from your home? The longest sign I've been out of the UK is six months. Not long. Six months. Uh, Only one period. (coughs) But wherever we are, these houses that we build, it's as if we can take the house with us somewhere else because it's not a physical house to which Jesus is referring it's a house of learning a house of hearing these words and putting them into practice that's the house of which Jesus is talking I'm going to show you a picture I don't know how well it fit it shows up but I think you can see that why does this tower lean not because of no foundations because of soft foundations which even during the building even during the building caused the tower to lean God's grace must be on that building but because they noticed it leaning they did certain things and they continue to do certain things because I guess it brings a lot of money to the town of Pisa But if we build our life on soft foundations, we're not going to end up as a tourist attraction. We'll end up as a wreck. If people look at us, it will be to look at us and pity. Paul said that. If Christ was not raised from the dead, we accept Christ's teachings on the basis that he is God. And we know he's God because he raised, he raised himself. He was raised from the dead. So if people look at us and are dismantled, demolished, destroyed house, it will be to pity us. And we don't want to be pitied. We want to be those who have a house in which we at least have the option of inviting others in. How many people could have fitted in the ark amongst all those animals, however many there were? I don't know how many. Did Noah and Mrs. Noah have any daughters who weren't in there? We don't know. But eight people went in amongst all the animals. We share that which God calls us to share, but some things we need to have our own. 
It was built on soft ground that had difficulty supporting the weight of the building. And there's been remedial measures, so it's still standing. But it won't be like that with our life. If we build on sand, our house will be destroyed. Jesus is very clear. It's a very, very simple parable. We can understand it from a very young age. If we build our life on sand, our life will not last. Paul wrote this in Romans chapter 5. From the second part of verse 2. He said, We rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. Suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. We can suffer for one of two ways. We can suffer for doing good, or we can suffer for being foolish. If I'm foolish enough to think that I know more than my line manager, brackets, even if I do, I'm foolish. Because the line manager makes the calls. If I'm foolish enough to think I know more than my small group leader, even if I do, I'm foolish. We can suffer for being foolish or we can suffer for doing good. And that's the suffering that Paul refers to here in Romans. And if we want to end up hopeful, let me call this, if we want to end up hopeful, we need to start with suffering. Hope is a consequence of suffering. So not all babies need to crawl. The liter's nearly there, I imagine even now, in the back room, maybe nearly crawling. But all babies, all people, need to walk before running. In the same way, we need to suffer before having hope. If we don't suffer, we're not going to get that hope. Jesus was very clear. This parable makes it clear. This parable says, The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house. It's suffering. The same suffering to each builder. And one person withstood and the other one didn't. Jesus is clear, clear that there will be suffering in this life. And he's also very clear that if we choose to follow him in this life, then there'll be specific suffering because we choose to follow him. It's near the bottom of the slide set. Philippians 3 verse 10. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings. Philippians 3 verse 10. Becoming like him in his death and so somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead. As Christians, many of us want to know the power of Christ's resurrection. But we don't want to know the fellowship of sharing in his suffering. 
And we can't have one without the other. We cannot know the power of his resurrection without sharing in his suffering. Because Jesus was only raised from the dead because he went through the suffering of the cross. Physical, emotional, and more than anything spiritual, separation from his Father. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Not why is this happening to me. Why have you forsaken me? Let's go back to building for a while before we then think how we apply this. Proverbs 24, verses 3 and 4. By wisdom, a house is built, and through understanding, it is established. Through knowledge, its rooms are filled with rare and beautiful treasures. By wisdom, a house is built, and through understanding, it is established. Through knowledge, its rooms are filled with rare and beautiful treasures. There's another building to show you. And Don can't answer. Which building? It is the British Museum. It's this country, this city. This is a British Museum. Quite impressive in terms of the building. And I don't know who the architect was. I could have looked it up, but you can do that yourself. The reason it's impressive is because it's still standing after however many years. Go inside, it's even more impressive. The building is more impressive, but inside the building and inside the rooms are many of these treasures, rare and beautiful treasures. The building has to be successful because inside that building there are rare and beautiful treasures. So what's inside our building? According to Paul in Colossians chapter 1, Christ is inside this building. A rare and beautiful treasure. The most rare, the most beautiful treasure there is in heaven or on earth is in us. In us. We need to have buildings at last. I love it when grandparents come to church. Because they're people who have lasted. Not just lasted by coming, but lasting and still serving. Whether it be teaching children or playing in a band. David and Maddie, we honor you. This morning, on our way to church, we saw our 90, he's either 95 or 96. Our neighbor, Finton, from Ireland, came to a country which wasn't his own. It was tough for Irish people in London a while ago. Not now, but it was then. And when we moved to our house, he was in his 80s, living across the road. And when he locked himself out, he used to 
climb up onto his garage roof and get back down. But when he got to mid-80s, he said, Dave, can you climb for me? <laughs> and he came to my ordination, even though our church are not in established communion with his church. He's a Roman Catholic priest. And he's had a hip operation, so the last few years he hasn't cycled, but he still goes to church because he knows church is people. I can't do it on my own. He's been a pastor for decades. It's what he's done. Didn't marry, didn't have children. He's been pastoring people. But he knows he needs to go and be with God's people. So this morning, with his Zimmer frame, he goes. He's lasted. His building has lasted. Christ is still in him, the hope of glory, and therefore he goes and he meets with others in whom Christ is, the hope of glory. He's lasted. Shofar's doing well withstanding a storm, but we're still young. A couple of decades and a couple of years on top. We've got a long way to go. Some things are built to get wet, such as a beach house or a lighthouse. And other things like my Birkenstock sandals are not. And hence, the cork is beginning to disintegrate. But other things, not only are they built to get wet, they're built to be better when wetter. Suffering is a requirement for hope and character. We are built to get better when wetter. That's the kind of building that God wants to build us. Where however many storms there may be, we get better. Not just that we withstand them, but we get better. Suffering produces perseverance, and perseverance, character, and character, hope. A woman died this week, and I don't expect you to have known much about her, Helen Rosevere. She died at what age? Come on, come on. Ninety-one. And she spent a couple of years in Congo, was there before he became independent, was there through the Civil War. And then when she was 39, something happened to her. Let me just read a few words that are on the screen. This was in the context of the Civil War in Congo. They found me, dragged me to my feet, struck me over head and shoulders, flung me on the ground, kicked me, dragged me to my feet, only to strike me again. The sickening, searing pain of a broken tooth, a mouth full of sticky blood, my glasses gone, beyond sense, numb with horror and unknown fear, driven, dragged, pushed back to my own house, yelled at, insulted, cursed. 
Her captors, she wrote, were brutal and drunken. They cursed and swore. They struck and kicked. They used the butt end of rifles and rubber truncheons. We were roughly taken, thrown in prisons, humiliated, threatened. And then when she was 39, in 1964, she was brutally raped. On that night, when she was raped, beaten and bruised, terrified and tormented, unutterably alone, I had felt at last, she said, God had failed me. Surely he could have stepped in earlier. Surely things need not have gone that far. I'd reached what seemed to be the ultimate depth of despairing nothingness. In this darkness, however, she sensed the Lord saying to her, you asked me when you were first converted for the privilege of being a missionary. This is it. Don't you want it? These are not your sufferings, they're mine. All I ask of you is the loan of your body. Nothing belongs to me. Not my body, although that's what we might be told. It's my body and I will determine what happens to my body. My body doesn't long belong to me. My wife does not belong to me. My children, our children do not belong to us. Everything belongs to God. And we will know him deeper when we know the fellowship of his suffering. So this might be a harder question than the Thanksgiving question. When did Jesus last suffer through me? Suffering. And it could have been a worse, more graphic story. She died this year, this week, this last week. So I've used Helen Rosemary. When did Jesus last suffer through me? We'll come back to that at the end. This is what James writes. Chapter 1, verses 22 to 24. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror. And after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. This isn't someone who wants to forget what he looks like. Might be the best looking man there is. But he forgets. He goes away and immediately forgets. So God speaks to us when I'm reading the Bible. God speaks to me if I'm reading the Bible. Or he speaks to me through somebody else. Or he speaks to me in a sermon and I recognize his voice. John read, Don read from John 10 earlier. Those who are the sheep of Jesus know his voice in the same way that sheep know the voice of their shepherd. We hear God's voice 
and then carry on. The God who created the whole universe is bothered to speak with me in a language at a volume, in a tone that I understand. Each one of us. He speaks to us in a way that the perfect parent knows how to know, knows how to speak differently to different children. He speaks to us in a way that we understand. And then what do we do? That's why responding to a sermon is important because if God has spoken, it's good to acknowledge that. The other parable that we're not going to look at today in Matthew 13, the seed fell on the path and was taken by the birds. The seed was just as powerful, but didn't take root. This book is life. It's living and it bears life. Seed. Good seed. Isaiah 55, I think we referred to it last week. Just as rain does not fall from heaven and water the earth, with, it does not return to heaven, if you think of the water cycle that we learned at school. It doesn't return to heaven without having watered the earth, producing seed, producing grain. So is God's word. It does not return to him void. If he speaks to me and I don't do anything, then his word will go to somebody else and bear life to somebody else. What's your favorite? Close your eyes. Imagine your favorite meal. Ready at the right temperature on the right plate with the right person to share it with and the best setting there is in the whole world. Now, someone comes and takes it away and they eat it. I hope it didn't disturb the babies as much as it disturbed you. Someone takes it away. You've been waiting for this for years. The meal, you've had the, you've had the meal before, but not with that person and not in that place. And it's there. And the person who takes it away doesn't come and steal it. You kind of just relinquish claim on it. Get up from the table, go to another table. Thank you very much. And they sit down at your chair and eat your meal. And now let's think about whatever you eat at work on a daily basis. But if all I do is hear this word and don't change my life, that food, whether it's the best meal in the world or what I eat on a daily basis, can go in one end and out the other and do no good to me if I do not absorb it. We're told that we are what we eat, but we're not because it can go in and out. We are what we absorb. 
It's in my guts, which isn't part of me. It's like a tube going down the middle of all of us. It's just, there's lots of turns. It's not part of us. It only becomes part of us when it leaves that gut and enters my blood and then goes around my body. If we hear all these words, if we know all these words, if we can recite all these words, it makes no difference to us if we do not apply these words. It's as if we look in a mirror and then we forget. It's as if we build our house on sand, knowing that we live by the sea. Knowing that last year there was a tsunami. Knowing that every year there's a tsunami. Because in every year there'll be suffering. And it might not be the suffering that Helen Roosevelt goes through, went through. Now she's not suffering. Now she's in heaven. She was raped and felt God had deserted her. And God said, this is what you asked me for. And so she received it. Was the physical pain, was the emotional trauma just as great? Yes, it was. But she'd built a life which lasted. So that when she died at 91, she was still serving God. David and Mary have a faith that's not only produced children like Charlotte and her brothers who have the same faith, but they're still practicing that faith. Finton, a Roman Catholic neighbor, been a priest for decades, still practices his faith. And if we want to have a life that lasts, then, in inverted commas, all we need to do is listen and do. Because God will speak. He's a God who communicates. He always speaks. He's always speaking. Always. Sometimes we don't hear him because we hear our own voice or the voice of other people or even the voice of the devil. And we choose to pay attention to those voices rather than to his. He's always, always speaking. I remember one time losing my Bible <coughs> and feeling a bit lost and finding it after a day or two. And God said, I was not in the UK, so I didn't have easy access to another Bible. And I felt Holy Spirit say, you know how you felt when you had lost it? That's how you choose to be when you don't read my word. So first we have to read it. That's just step one. And then we have to do it. Read and do. Do not merely listen to the word. If we merely listen to the word, we deceive ourselves. Being deceived is not a good place to be. Being deceived by myself is probably the worst place to be. Because if someone else deceives me, they might choose to go and deceive someone else. But if I'm deceiving myself, I'm not going anywhere. My deceiver is right here. And James says, if we listen and do not do, we are deceiving ourselves. Not the devil doing it, because we've heard God, me, deceiving myself. Our theme this year has been God's building, and we're going to continue building because the building's not ready. There's more rooms. It needs to be extended. There's more people to come in. And I've preached sermons 
and I'm aware this is my last one and I'd love to say a load more things because we're going to have a new theme next year. Next, year, next week we're going to give thanks. So come ready to give thanks and the week after we'll have a joint service in Weybridge. But every sermon that I preached or Carlos preached or Hercules preached or Fred preached and we maybe had a few others, Yanko preached as well. It's not about the best sermon. If it was about the best sermon, we'd stream Fred every week. You don't need to listen to me. It's about fellowship of the body, receiving from one another, hearing God speak, and then doing. For we are God's fellow workers. 1 Corinthians 3 verse 9. You are God's field, God's building. We're God's fellow workers, one with God. Our theme next year is being one. One with God, one with Christ, and one in Christ. We are one in Christ. That's why I need to have fellowship with you, because we're one. We're in the same family. We understand it, most of us, when it comes to natural family. We need to understand it. We're one. Whose building is it anyway? God's building. So this house that stands and the house on the sand that's destroyed, it's not my house to decide who else is in there with me. It's God's house. It's God's building. Whose body was raped when Helen Rosevere was raped when she was 39 and she lived with that for 52 years before being taken to heaven this week. It's God's. Loaned to her we can choose. God's not going to coerce any of us, twist our arm up our back, let me in. He doesn't work like that. He lets us choose. Are you going to allow me to use your body, which I gave you, and which is mine anyway? Please stand as we close. Lives that look identical will, find, will be found over time to be drastically and essentially different. The house on the sand may have looked exactly like the house on the rock. And we don't know, even when we see each other three times a week, we don't know what's really going on inside. It's easy to give a certain impression. Even from behind a microphone, in a band or preaching. But only time and the suffering that comes with time will tell. 
whether there's a foundation, something that's unseen, something that's unremarkable. Only time will tell if those foundations are true. And Holy Spirit's been telling me this whole year, stop planning for pleasure and start preparing for persecution. Stop planning for pleasure and start preparing for persecution. And it's not light. And I've not been persecuted yet. Yeah, I've you know had a few people who've chosen to be my enemy because of the stand I've taken. But I haven't had to go through it yet. I'm not in Syria where there's people who'll take off my head. I didn't come from a family who were Muslim who would disown me if I choose to follow Jesus. I've not had to do that. But God knows the hope that he wants to instill in us. A hope of glory that will be a strong tower for many to run to and be saved. A strong tower which will withstand anything politically or spiritually or socially or financially or relationally. A tower that will stand. God's building so that many can run to it and be saved. Don't do this lightly. I'm going to close my eyes even as well. If you're accepting that it's God's building and not yours, if you're accepting that it's God's body and not your own, and if you want, even if there's fear, if you want to know Christ, and the fellowship of sharing in his suffering. Then raise your hand and I'll pray. Lord Jesus, you are the hope of glory. You are the one who is above every other one. Yours is the name that we lift high when we come and praise and worship. You can drop your hands now. And Lord Jesus, thank you for the knowledge of you. The knowledge which is beyond any human mind. The wisdom which is not earthly but from heaven. The understanding, the knowledge, wisdom and understanding, Holy Spirit, that you have, that are your characteristics and attributes. 
And thank you that because of that, we'll be able to withstand whatever storms and streams and winds may come. God, I thank you for keeping us. Thank you that we're still standing. And God, thank you that you're building us and making us stronger, even that you're rebuilding so that we're ready to receive the many that you want to disciple, that you want to call home. God, lead us home as you have led Helen Rosevere home this last week. Lead us home even if that path is through the valley of the shadow of death. God, I thank you that you're with us, that your rod and your staff comfort us. I thank you for the children. Thank you that you're preparing a generation who won't be surprised, as our generations are, that persecution's coming, that it will just be what they expect. God, help us to prepare them so that they can prepare for your return. They can prepare the world for your return. God, I thank you that you build so faithfully. I thank you that you take stewardship and ownership of your building. And we declare this is your building. Lord Jesus, we are yours. We honor you, Lord Jesus. If you want to respond, if you want, maybe Holy Spirit told you a specific suffering. Maybe you're going through something even now. God wants to heal. Suffering and healing are not mutually exclusive. We can't put one of God's attributes up against the other. If you need healing, then we've got oil and we will anoint you for that healing. If you need prayer for any other reason, then please come to the front. If you need to leave, then please leave. There'll be refreshments in the back room. But if God's speaking with you, then don't leave the room before he's finished or at least says pause for now. small groups will meet as usual have a blessed week but let's just allow God to do that which he always does which is to minister to us that which we need